you're going to come across people throughout your career that are going to suggest you cut corners, dabble in the gray, and and there's decisions you need to make throughout your career to follow your instincts and remember that you know your reputation and your credibility you earn that each day with the decisions you make i'm janet ioli and you're listening to power presence academy practical wisdom for leaders if you're looking for leadership mentoring advice or just a dose of inspiration I've got you covered. Join me as I share leadership tips and lessons of experience from experts and from executives at the top of their game. This is your go-to place for all things leadership. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. Let's go. Today's guest is Carolyn Ewer. Carolyn is the General Counsel and Senior Vice President of Contracts at Steampunk, a growing IT services and consulting firm in the Washington, D.C. area. So, Carolyn, thank you for being with us today. I'm really excited to hear your wisdom that you're going to share with us. Thanks, Janet. It's great being with you. So, okay. So, let me... Just cut to the chase. I always ask the same question to everybody that's on the show because, again, that question, how did she get there, is always on the mind of people. Whether, you know, we have a lot of men who watch this show, women who watch this show, or listen to the podcast. So, talk a little bit about your leadership journey. Like, how did you get where you are today? So, the beginning of my career, you know, I have a 30-year career in federal contracting. And when I was coming out of Penn State as a business major, I had no idea what federal contracting right. was. So it's sort of and most of us don't, right? It's like, what right. is that? It's like this, this strange, like, what do you do? You do contracts with federal government? And what is that? Yeah, if you grow up in the DC area, maybe you're familiar with it. But if you don't, you might not know that there's a whole industry so I had interviewed for a job with the U.S. Navy, and the interview went very well, and they offered me a job in Alexandria, Virginia, to work for Naval Air Systems Command, and they explained that they were going to train me on negotiating contracts to buy weapon systems and aircraft for the Navy. Wow. So that sounds like <laughs> a big job. So I, I came to this area, and I did a three-year internship with the Navy, and Actually, part of the appeal was part of the benefit in accepting the internship was that they were going to support my MBA. Mm-hmm. So I, in addition to going through their internship program, learning federal contracting law and the regulations and how to negotiate con- large contracts. Right. Six great years with the Navy. One of the coolest things they had me do, they loaned me out on a foreign military sale and I ended up buying a fleet of helicopters for the Royal Thai Navy, which, you know, in your mid-20s, that's a pretty amazing thing. Wow, yeah. an opportunity to do. In the 90s, there was base realignment and closure and the Navy was relocating and the job that I had with the Navy moved. So I found a new job and I moved, I jumped over to the industry side of things. 
And I started with a company called Integic, where I became a contracts manager and applied my expertise that I learned inside the government on industry side and really loved that company. It was started by a group of entrepreneurs. And I was so fortunate to find that as my first corporate experience. And then I was with Integic for eight years. And during that time, during those eight years, I was used to going to school at night, having done it the first time. And I saw my boss. I worked for general counsel at the time. And I said, hey, I want to do what you do. Because I saw that as the natural evolution in my career. And so I went to law school at night again, or I went to school at night again, but I did law school at George Mason. When you work for an entrepreneur, what's going to happen is you're going to build something great and they're going to sell. (laughs) So after I finished law school, soon after finishing law school and wanting to move into that assistant general counsel role that I talked with my boss about, we were acquired by a larger company. And that's when I realized that I really enjoyed working for smaller companies Mm -hmm. and being a person who helps build something. After the sale of Integic, I started to look for another job and I got a call from some folks, colleagues from the Integic who were starting up a new company. And that is the company I work for today. It was called Strategic Enterprise Solutions at the time. I joined when there were 30 people in the company and I helped build and grow that company to a, you know, a hundred employees, a, you know, revenues of, you know, a small business and federal contracting. And, and we were doing quite well. We were really proud of what we built. And Fortunately, though, we did learn that one of the colleagues from the other companies wanted to invest in a company that already existed in the federal market. And so my former CEO sold his controlling interest and new ownership came in. And that has become the company I work for today, which is Steampunk. With Steampunk, they were bringing in a whole new level of expertise. We were kind of I was sort of jack of all trades at the smaller business utility player. I was leading the back office environment. I had responsibility for contracts, security, human resources. I was sort of the general manager over all of that. What was nice was when the new leadership came, they had plans to grow the company that is Steampunk now. And they kind of refined my role to my subject matter expertise, which is contracts and legal. And so when the new ownership came in, they changed my role from vice president overseeing operations of the back office to general counsel and vice president of contracts. So that's where I am now. Wow. What a story. You know, it's interesting as you talk, Carolyn, I hear some themes and I hear themes of being proactive. I hear themes of seizing opportunity, you know, taking advantage of the education. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you kept grooming yourself for these things. It's like preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the story I hear as you talk, that you were always ready for whatever was going to come forward and you seized it. So let me ask you this. 
what career advice would you give your former self now that you're in this seat? Oh, boy. The person back then. Yeah, 30 years ago. (laughs) Right, right. Starting out. That green young lady coming from Pennsylvania. Well, in hindsight, I would say first, your career is built on your credibility. You need to trust your instincts and always do the right thing. You're going to come across people throughout your career that are going to suggest you cut corners, dabble in the gray. And and there's decisions you need to make throughout your career to follow your instincts and remember that, you know, your reputation and your credibility, you earn that each day with the decisions you make. And, you know, so to not cut corners and also hard lessons learned are admit when you've made a mistake, Mm -hmm. because it's so important to not try to cover up or hide, you know, as you're learning, you're expected to make mistakes. So don't be afraid of making mistakes, admit your mistakes, and you really will be respected for that. We're so bent on proving our worthiness or proving our competence or proving something. And so a mistake is, especially those of us who are high achievers or perfectionists, et cetera. Oh my gosh, the sky just fell rather than having that mindset of learning. Yeah, Janet, I actually, now where I am in the organization, I have a couple levels of folks who work within my contracts group and legal. And some of the young professionals who are coming in to, in in essence, they're learning the contracts profession. Mm -hmm. And I find that some of them are so hard on themselves Mm -hmm. and actually have kind of articulated like, well, I feel like I should know what you know. Mm -hmm. I have to remind them that, you know, they've entered a profession, not a job. Right. A profession. Yeah, that's a great you know, way to put it. The, yeah. the federal acquisition regulation is this thick when mm-hmm. you print it out. And there's nothing to replace experience because experience is what develops that expertise. And you can't Google that. Now, let me ask you this, Carolyn. Are there any unique challenges that you think you've faced as a woman leader? You work in a pretty male-dominated fields and also organizations. Yeah. I know the Navy is changing, right? But it traditionally is a very male dominated and so is government contracting. You know, I kind of, it's it's interesting. Again, it's, it's, you get so far along in your career and you have the benefit of being able to look back mm-hmm. and, and understand yourself a little better. And whether it's being a woman or understanding how your authentic self best fits into a team. From childhood, my parents are both phys ed teachers. So I was, you know, raised in a very athletic household. So Mm -hmm. I was in, you know, t-shirt league soccer from a very young age. And on a field, I always gravitated toward a defensive position. That sort of is how, you know, when I migrated toward a, in business, as a business uh, uh, major, I ended up, as I said, a, a very fortunate introduction to federal contracting, but my direction was in contracting your counsel, your compliance, your analyzing risk. And and that's sort of where my career led me with a legal background as well. So 
what I've figured out is I'm a good teammate and I am comfortable providing that counsel in that, you know, someone's got to play defense. Right. And in this male dominated entrepreneurial group of people I'm in, they're the ones running to score those goals. And I found that they're happy to have me as the voice on the team that's providing that rounded out aspect of the council. The other thing I kind of learned about myself looking back is all my friendships throughout life, friendships with women. I, all my best girlfriends have been really dominant alpha women Mm -hmm. and I love them. They're great. And I have always been a great counterpart and friend and, and teammate. Maybe I'm the beta to their alpha, but I've also found that kind of suits my personality on a leadership team. And it's not that I'm passive in any I'm, way, but I know how to let that alpha personality get their position across, say what they need to say, and when to bring in my counsel and advice. And it's worked out quite well. I think what we're really talking about is personality type and, and learning right. what your strengths are and contributing those strengths for fully rather than attributing it to, oh, I have all these challenges because I'm this or that. And I think the story we tell ourselves sometimes becomes self-limiting. So I love the your answer there to because I think it's really important that we think about it a little bit that way as well. Yeah. Let me ask you another question just regarding being a woman in the organizations you are. Now, there have been quite a few studies about women in this phenomenon known as the imposter phenomenon or how we label it the imposter syndrome, which is what we call it now, which really is intense feelings of inadequacy and self-doubt about your abilities, about feeling like not being able to internalize your success, feeling like a fraud sometimes in the role. So can you talk about your own experience with either the imposter phenomenon or feelings of inadequacy or self-doubt that might be helpful to people who are either listening or watching this today? Actually, my current position is general counsel for Steampunk. Well, it's general counsel and senior vice president of contracts. Assuming the role of general counsel was a big step for my career. And I'm going to go back a little bit and explain how that happened. I talked about how the evolution of my career and how I started to work at the first company in TGIC and I went to law school at night. And a lot of those folks knew it and knew what my personal goal was. But then it got waylaid by the acquisition of the company and, and then my different career choices. I remained a business person. I was a lawyer. I I passed the bar and I maintained my law license. But at the time, joining a small company, they did not need me as a lawyer. They needed me as a business person. So that's what I remained. I, you know, was very comfortable always providing legal counsel in the sense of I was the liaison to outside counsel in the times we needed a lawyer. But I kind of came up as a business person. When the new ownership, the investors who created my, took and acquired my company and we became steampunk, they knew me. They knew the 
young woman who went to law school knew I was a lawyer and said, this is great. We're going to, you know, hone her skill set and she'll be general counsel. When when they told me they were making me general counsel, (laughs) I was like, wow, I've not held this title. This means something. And so I was full of self-doubt. I was thrilled because the goal I set out 20 years earlier finally came to happen. Right. Right. Um, So how fortunate was that? And I was excited for it, but I was intimidated because it means something to hold that title in a company. You are the lawyer. And I have to attribute the confidence of my leadership, specifically my boss, who is the COO of our company. John Harley, he was general counsel previously at other companies. So it was was assuring to know that I, I wasn't out there you know, without someone who could help and guide me. And I expressed to him some of my concerns and self-doubts. And he he just let me know. He's like, there's nothing you can't do, Carolyn. You're Once you learn this, you're going to nail it. And just knowing that I had his confidence mm-hmm. really just kind of gave me the boost to, to just kind of grab the ring and go for it. What I hear in, in your description there and in your story is there was something about identity is really owning the identity of being a lawyer and being a general counsel even though you had the credentials that had not been internalized in your identity yet right And and that took some time and but it also took and it shows the importance in our organizations of mentoring right and how it how powerful that is to help us internalize a new identity when we're a little bit uncomfortable or we're trying to prove ourselves or validate. So I think that's such a, a powerful story for people to really to get that, that, you know, as a leader, the mentoring that you're providing doesn't go for, for, I mean, it is actually grooming people to step into their identity and their biggest contribution. So yeah. that's and, big. Yeah. And, and what's happened since then is because of the success and the growth of the company, we realized we needed another attorney to join the company. And so in doing so, I set out to find another lawyer who possessed a set of skills that I didn't. Right. And we found that person. She's amazing. And she's joined us. And I'm finding that we complement each other very well. I bring some of the experience in federal contracting and business. She's bringing a deep level of experience in employment law, and she's a former litigator. So she has experience I don't have. And so that's been really, really refreshing and such a new challenge to first be a little intimidated to be the lawyer, but then to be the supervisor of another lawyer. Right. Another step for me. And But it's it's really worked out well, and it's it's really formed a great partnership, actually. Yeah, and there's the other leadership lesson in that, right? Is the hiring people that complement your strengths and also who contribute to the organization maybe a little bit differently than you, because sometimes we yeah. tend to hire people who are just like us. So I think I like to complement the stories and get real as we have these conversations, because. Mm-hmm even though everything you're saying is a real story, we leave out the pieces of, oh, 
darn, <laughs> this happened. And I, I left that out intentionally. So could you describe something in your journey that you would characterize as a failure? In your role as a contracts professional, you have certain responsibilities in interpreting the regulations and providing your counsel and guidance. And a lot of times in federal contracting, what the contracts person advises is is a compliance issue. And so people tend to follow what your counsel is. So it's it's an important responsibility. Kind of like the lead, just by the law, like the law. Right. <laughs> Same thing, similar, right. right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I had an understanding of my job and a, reg- a specific regulation that I had interpreted and shared with my operational team who were doing delivery, which caused them to do things differently than they had wanted to. But I asserted myself and said, this is how it is. And this is what we need to do in delivery to remain compliant and so forth. Later, I discovered that, in fact, the regulation that I was citing and remembering had actually changed. And I wasn't up to date. And I was giving outdated counsel. And when I realized that, I had to go to the team who I had so confidently asserted myself. And explain to them that I'd made an error. And tell them, in fact, the thing they wanted to do, they absolutely could do. (laughs) Because I had a different interpretation of restriction. So my colleague, who was quite bothered by my original interpretation, went on and on about, well, you said it was this way, and now it's it's this. And he just needed to vent for a little while. After a bit, I said to him, I said, I reserve the right to evolve. I love it. I love it. And that is the quote that he's a dear friend. We were colleagues for years. And that quote came back to me a handful of times throughout our time together. And to this day, if I change my mind, you'll hear I reserve the right to evolve. Oh, we're going to quote. I I can see that as a steampunk t-shirt. (laughs) <laughs> so I know you guys always inspirational quotes. I love yeah. that one. I reserve the right to evolve. That's great. But that's a great story, Carolyn, because I think it illustrates some of the things we're talking about is that, you know, this continuous growth, this continuing updating, and that we all fall into the non-perfection. We're not yeah. going to get it right a hundred and percent of the time, even though yeah. we want to. And then how do we recover from that? So What's an inspirational quote that you would offer as inspiration to other leaders? I have a few. Okay. (laughs) And the reason I do is a number of years ago, I volunteered as a docent at the Smithsonian Museum of American History. And I was a first lady's docent. So I got to know and I studied and knew a lot about many first ladies. But my favorite first lady is Eleanor Roosevelt. And she had some amazing quotes. Um, And actually piggybacking on the story that I just told you about the right to evolve. One of her quotes is. It's best to be confident, but not certain. Wow. And 
my certainty in that story is what kind of kicked me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. So, you know, that was, I was, I was very certain in my stance and it, you know, again, you should always be confident, but always be open. Like you said, that learning mindset, things are always going to evolve and change. And so it's important to remember that. So the other quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that I think kind of focuses on leadership is good leaders inspire people to have confidence in their leaders. Great leaders inspire people to have confidence in themselves. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Some wisdom. That is some wisdom. There's enough said, right? I mean, I think that says it all. That kind of captures the essence of leadership. Yeah. So as our time is up, I would just ask you to offer any other parting words of wisdom you have that I haven't asked you that you just wanted to make sure that you said today in this very, very rich interview that we had. I think we touched on it, but because for the past four years, I've had a sort of an evolution in my career, sort of a renewal and a boost. I'm learning every day. And I'm also learning how to let go of being the doer and mm. be becoming the leader. And that's a challenge every day. And you brought it up at the very beginning, Janet, that that learning mindset is so important. No matter where you are in your career, it's, it's going to serve you. And when you open yourself up that way, work just becomes so much more fun. Yeah. So yeah, those would be my final words. Of yeah, no, I, and what a great way to end, right? It's talking about growth and learning. And that's really what this whole episode and this whole series and this whole podcast is about, is about growth and learning as a leader. So I really thank you for being here today and sharing your words of wisdom with us. There's a great book for anybody who's interested about this whole mindset thing we're talking about. It's actually called Mindset and it's by Carol Twig, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. It talks about this learning. I call it a learning mindset. She calls it a growth mindset and the difference between fixed and growth mindset. So for those of you listening, if you're looking for a read about this whole concept, it's a great book. Thanks for listening. And always remember this. Every single moment, you have a choice in what you say, what you do, and how you make people feel. Pause and make those choices wisely and intentionally. Because every single moment, those choices are who you become as a leader. See you next time.